This is Jules, lead pastor of TFH Oakland. We exist so that people far from God can experience a fulfilled life in Christ. For more information on how you can stay connected, follow us online at TFH Oak or visit us at tfhoak.church. Merry Christmas, TFH. Pastor Jules here. Hey, I'm so thankful uh, that you would invite us into your home on this amazing holiday season. It's Christmas Day, and so we're going to be very brief in the Word because uh, we want to get to time with our family, and uh, but most importantly, we want to honor Jesus. We, uh, for the last few weeks, maybe you're watching us for the first time, but the last few weeks we've been in a series called The Light. And to be so candid, to be so open, to be so honest, to let the cat out of the bag. The light is Jesus, y'all. It's Jesus is the light. And But what we're going to do is we're going to take a few moments in Scripture, and we're going to remind ourselves of the arrival of Christ. You know, for the last few weeks, uh, as a pastor and a spiritual leader, you know, sometimes I could get caught up in the sermons and the content and all of that. Uh, but I, I struggle during the Christmas season just to make sure that my heart uh, remain and is built on the reality of how great, how sweet, how kind, how compassionate Jesus has been in my life. And because of his great arrival, how it has altered the trajectory of my life. And today we're going to talk about uh, about two different types of people uh, that respond to the arrival of Jesus. That when the light it shines in their hearts and their minds and their thoughts, how it brings either devotion or it brings disturbance. And today we want to we want to up the ante. We want to bring a sweet devotion to God. We want to make sure that our hearts are pure and that we're aligned and that all that we have, all that we are, are completely yielded to Jesus. So join with me and your family as we read a few verses of scripture. Uh, we're going to start out in the book of Matthew chapter two, and it says these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star. We saw a light uh, when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you a ruler will come who will, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star, the light, had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go search carefully for the child. Get this, look, Herod, he's being a little bit grimy, a little bit out of pocket, but he's trying to keep it all incognito right here. He says, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went their way and the star that they had seen when it arose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with him the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the Bible goes on and it says, on, <clears throat> on coming to the house, they saw the child with mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented with him gifts, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, did not go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. Now, when we look at this story, we have we're introduced to a number of characters, but there's a little bit context that we want to kind of see, because at this point in time, the, the Israelites, they have been overwhelmed by the Roman government. 
uh, policy, legal legalities, all of these things that they thought were true were being undermined uh, by this, this ruling power. And so for them, they're anticipating that a Messiah would come and that that Messiah would overthrow the Roman Empire and that he would literally be the king of the Jews. Through this prophetic runway from books of Malachi, all the way from Moses, even from Adam and Eve, they anticipated that one day one would come, a true king that would bring authority from heaven onto earth and bring justice to every broken heart. And for many of them, they thought this was going to be a warrior, a soldier. But look at God. He confounds the wise. He he takes the the stupid ideas of heaven and they supersede all the intellect and all the understanding that humanity could ever throw at him. He takes a small child and he says, my government, my kingdom will literally be imprinted on his life. And because of his great sacrifice, all humanity would be changed. Now, for us, we're looking for that kind of savior. We may not admit it, but in Oakland, uh, we just went through all of our mayoral candidacies and we all had the person that we wanted to be the mayor. And uh, for that, we all anticipated. I don't know if you saw all the polls and how close it was. And there was excitement because I I knew some of the people that were running for mayor. And and in me, there's something that's excited, like, yes, somebody to finally solve the problems that are going on in the city. Someone to finally pick up the trash. Someone finally to end homelessness. Finally, someone that I can identify with that is going to bring all of God into the earth. We all want someone to represent what we think our world and our lives should look like. But Jesus is so quite different. You see, when we look at all of the monuments and governments, what we're wanting is justice. We're wanting someone to right the wrong that we've experienced, that we see. And one of the things that Jesus does is that he displaces all injustice when he is present. And so this morning, as you're gathering with family, I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas vibe by talking about politics. But I want us to identify with the true king, the true ruler that we all desire, and his name is Jesus. And when his light arrives, it aligns our hearts to the authority that is in Christ. You see, Jesus is here, and the leaders of great intellect and prowess recognize that these magi are some of the coolest cats to ever walk the pages of Scripture. Some people believe they're they're actually a part of the lineage of Daniel, uh, that these were men that were astute into the science, not just in some astrology, you know, I'm a Virgo and I'm a Leo. They, They weren't into all of that. But what they were doing is this. They were studying the most obvious and evident signs of this king that were to come. They believed that there was like science scientific conclusions and also biblical like relevancy. And they were looking through scriptures and looking at the times of their world and society. And they believed that there was this alignment. There was this arrival that was to come. And so as they were looking for hundreds of years, these men and women were anticipating the arrival of Christ. Isaiah writes, and he says that you will know that he is truly the light because the government will rest upon his shoulders. That means all authority. No other dictator. Putin got nothing on Jesus. No no other ruler, no other king or queen could ever come close to what Jesus is going to provide. The one thing that I, I love about this is because what this means for us is that every sinner, every tear, are the turmoil, every wounded child would experience the infallible justice of God through Jesus. Man. That's the kind of hope that we need. And 
We don't need to fool ourselves. In this current time of our society where leadership is faulty, people are freaking out. Every person of power is lobbying for position. We need that great ruler. We need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this moment, we are introduced with two people in the scripture, the Magi and King Herod. You see, these Magi, they were looking for God. They, they assumed that anybody else that saw the same signs that they saw, that they would anticipate giving all of their allegiance, all of their devotion, all of these great things. Uh, some scientists believe that the star that they saw around this moment was the alignment of Saturn and Jupiter, that it actually was this crescendo. The aligning of the stars literally were highlighting that Jesus was arriving. And the star returns around this Christmas season to give us that hope and an indicator that God is still faithful to his promises. But I want to look at these two different responses from the Magi and King Herod. It says this, <clears throat> when they come and they search for Herod, they ask this question, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. You see, the Magi assumed that everyone that saw the star were there to worship Jesus. But Herod, Herod becomes disturbed in all of Jerusalem. All that he is over, he is disturbed. He is perplexed. He is confused. And he says this. He begins to investigate with these Magi. He says, you know, you go out and find him. And when you do, let him know so that I can, let me know so that I can worship him. But his worship was loaded. His worship was already filled. You see, he wasn't going to worship Jesus. He was actually going to try to manipulate Jesus because Herod at that time, he was responsible for his territory. He was responsible for his part of the land. He was responsible for his community and his aspect. And at that time, there had been assassination attempts and violence. And this Roman Empire for one moment, as Jesus was coming, was experiencing ultimate peace like they had never experienced before. And this Herod at the time, he wanted to make sure that no other king was going to topple his authority. And so rather than being devoted and recognizing that as Jesus, guess what he does? He's disturbed. And he says, I got to get rid of him. I got to find a way to remove this. Now, see, when we look at Herod, because we read on a few verses later that Herod actually creates genocide. He begins to target little boys under the age of two, and he begins to kill them, sacrifice them so that there will be no other king, no other prophecy that could fulfill, that could overthrow his throne. And we look at Herod, we're like, yo, this guy is terrible. He's the worst that there could be in any kind of leadership. But let's be careful because there's a little Herod in all of us. You see, when Jesus begins to arrive in our lives, he begins to displace all other authorities. And for us that even claim allegiance to following Jesus, there's something in us that may not want to overthrow God's throne, may not ever want to push God out of the picture and say, you know, I'm fully in charge. God, I got it. I can take it from here. But there is something in us the propensity to want to share the throne. Like, hey, Jesus, can you just scoot over a little bit and make some room for me? Lord, I, I can handle some of those aspects. You see, Herod was intimidated. And worship that is filled with insecurity, worship that is filled with just wanting to get something from God rather than recognizing God as God will always lead to manipulation. And that's why people literally get burnt out from church, not from God, 
Because when we come to recognize that God is the ultimate light, that when he arrives in our lives, he displaces all sinfulness, our attitudes, our selfish motivations, even our desires, whether good or bad, that God displaces those things when we allow his throne to fully reign in our motives. But if there's manipulation, if there's this insecurity, we'll always just trying to get something from God without God. And that's where Herod was. Maybe he could become friends with this small child. Maybe he can manipulate and use him to influence the kingdom to become more aligned to his will. You see, on this Christmas Day, let Jesus begin to deal with the throne of our hearts. Let us wrestle with the small Herod in our hearts that would want to exclude God out of decisions. Let us come like the Magi, that in all of their understanding and all of their intellect, when Jesus came, they came to recognize him as king. I don't know if you've ever read this scripture, but game recognized game. That's not a scripture. But what that means is, is this a person of influence, a person of stature, a person of that same kind of experience can recognize someone. And for us, maybe God has put us in positions of leadership or authority to recognize ultimately the authority that is in Christ and to humble our hearts and to be devoted, not disturbed when God begins to address certain areas of our heart. You see, Herod's worship was loaded. It was filled with insecurity and it produced, it produced manipulation. And that manipulation leads to self-preservation, not desiring God, but just desiring what he does. And on this Christmas day, let us not just desire what God can do for us, the gifts that God can align our hearts. Let us desire God. One of the things that we see within these magi is that when they recognized Jesus, they did something very special. It says this in verse nine, after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star that, that they had seen, it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I love this. It's because these magi, they bowed before him. Now, I look at these magi, these men that came from the far east, probably astrologists and science and in the arts and knew multiple language. And when they showed up, they didn't show up, but just probably about three or four of them. It probably was a group of them. It, it probably was almost like a militant like army that was walking with them, that they recognized the power and the authority of Jesus. You see, these wealthy people, didn't allow their possessions to stop them of the inconvenience of following Christ. They saw the light. They knew that God was calling them, but they didn't allow status or possession to inconvenience them from fully following Jesus. They considered themselves honored to have the opportunity to yield their gifts to Christ. Man, I want that. I don't want to get into a place in my life where I'm blessed and I'm more educated than I've ever been, been more aware, more woke than I've ever been before, and more in tune to what's going on in the world, more position and more status, and still not fully yield all of that to the service of Christ. You know, one of the things that I think is so beautiful is this, is that God didn't ask any of these men to present gifts to him. It was something they did out of the overflow of their own heart. You know, many times in church, especially as a pastor, I'm like, God could be calling you to lay this down. God could be telling you to do this. God could be telling you, say no to that. God could be telling you, go here. But the culmination 
of a person that recognizes the arrival of Jesus is when they recognize him, they freely give their gifts to God. And this is probably one of the sweetest moments that we can obtain in our faith, in our maturity, in our growth in Christ. You know, there's a saying that it's better to give than it is to receive. I don't know how true that is, but I know it's very true when it comes to God. And what if God is not asking you to give up anything? What if God is not asking you to do anything? The Bible says that Christ loved us while we were still sinners. So there's nothing that we can bring to God that would justify our salvation. There's nothing in our own strength and our own piety that we could give. There's nothing in our own intellect. There's nothing in our own. And there's nothing that we can do because he's enough. But what is the thing that's in your heart that you're wanting to offer to God freely? You know, I, I sometimes struggle with being a pastor, to be honest, because sometimes it's, it gets hard for me. You know, I get I get paid to lead a community of people and I always struggle with that because I, I never wanted my heart to lose sight of the authentic, pure devotion of just following Jesus for him being Jesus alone. And then Christmas with all of the ornaments and decorations and all of the things that could be a distraction. Maybe we need to remind our hearts before we start off 2023 of just saying, God, I'm willing to offer my life yet again. You know, David said this, he said, return to me the joy of my salvation. And that means that you could be following Jesus and seeing the stars and the lights, but you could lose your joy in process. And something about these magi, that they were excited and devoted, that they came freely to offer God their gifts. You know, I love this. This is because whether you feel like you have everything or you feel like you have nothing, when Jesus comes and he begins to align our hearts with his arrival, he brings shepherds and scientists at the same table. He brings the prostitute and the most religious together. You see, when Jesus is in the center of our hope, in our heart, and we recognize him as the true authority, we know that all injustice will be recognized and dealt with according to his grace and his mercy. I wanted to conclude with this on this Christmas morning. I don't know who wrote this, but they were pretty phenomenal. And I want to share this as we recognize the arrival of Christ. It says, Jesus, the greatest man in history, had no servants, yet they called him master, had no degree, yet they called him teacher, had no medicine, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, and yet he lives today. His name is Jesus. We have a great God that while in our confusion, in our darkness, he became the light. And this Christmas morning, as you gather together in your family or you Zoom or you connect with your people, let us be reminded and let us recognize the authority that is in Christ all alone. And if you're feeling disturbed, just know God is the one that displaces all disturbance with our devotion. And maybe you're at a place where you've sacrificed out and God would say reset, that he loved us right where we are. And to freely give what's been freely given to us. You know, 2023 
It's going to be an amazing year. And I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to, but I do believe that God is just setting the stage and he is going to layer his grace and understanding and clarity with each step that we take in faith. God bless you. And I pray from our family to yours that you guys have a very merry, merry Christmas. From the Moors to you, TFH, we love you guys. For more information on how you can stay connected, follow us online or visit tfho.church. 